0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.24 a.m. Central Daylight Time. God, please put that to bed. Oh, God, I'm so sick of Central Daylight Time. I have discovered in fact that that daylight savings time is 8 months long. 8 months. See, all this time in my life I thought it was half a year cuz you just don't ask these questions especially when you're growing up with this crap. So I'm just I just happened for whatever reason I just looked at it and looked at the dates and realized that it's not 6 months long. No, 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 no. They're giving us giving us fiat time scales for 8 months of the year. Man, that's just got to wreck. I'm sorry. That has got to wreck something in your head. That's not natural, man. It's just not natural. And then to go for four months with, you know, like ultra short days or, you well, actually not ultra short, that the... Central Standard Time or or Standard Time is what we came off of when whatever yahoos decided that daylight savings time was going to be a good idea. No, it is not. It needs to be gone. It's just, it's wrecking people. I really believe this is one of the elements of fiat that really jacks people up in really bad ways because it just screws with your circadian rhythms. That said, it is October the 11th, 2019. This is episode 149 of Bitcoin and we're gonna do something that I should have done pretty much in the first show of this month. Joe Rogers from Twitter uh, reminded me that their new that the new episode of crypto words at underscore crypto words is out and is on fire. It, this uh, September issue has 22 entries. it is a 217 minute read. there are many words such wow very cool as the Doge would say in either event you can find crypto words at cryptowords.github.io. and I highly recommend this this thing because it's a uh, if you didn't know about it it is sort of the jur- uh, I guess a journal it's not peer reviewed it's just it's a collection of things that have been written that, that the the uh, crew over at crypto words found uh, good wholesome interesting you name it what you know what have you but it is a good collection of things that were written in the previous month and then they you know get it all together make it look nice and professional it's it they their editing is or not editing but the way that they're putting it together it looks good It's a nice publication. I really encourage people to go out to at underscore crypto words and check that thing out. And no, they're not a sponsor of the show. As you guys know, nobody loves me. I have no sponsors. Boo hoo, boo hoo. Okay, moving on. um, I have a tweet out here that says weaponizing law against lawmakers, gaming companies, and the NBA. And I've put together a couple of pictures uh, of what I'm talking about here. One is from the first one is a lot you know weaponizing law against lawmakers specifically the IRS guidance that came out that which obviously got a shit ton of pushback from the from the crew in in Bitcoin land Bruce Fenton and there are times that I don't like what Bruce Fenton says but in this pati- you know in this particular case and in other cases there are things that Bruce says that make sense and this one makes pretty much the most sense he says. In honor of the IRS fork guidance, I'm announcing BBV, Bitcoin Bruce's vision. It's a Bitcoin fork that gives me an extra 1 million coins. I'll sell one sat to you for $300. Also, I'm sending a 12-word seed phrase poem to each member of Congress right before the fork. Uh, what is he talking about? Well, some of the idiocy of the IRS guidance suggested that you are, you are financially liable for any airdropped fork coin that that somehow or another, if you have a wallet and you hold coins or you have a private key and you hold coins that, uh, lack of a better term, in that private key, which is not correct, but let's just go with it, um, that if somebody forks that chain, you get airdropped like as many like when bs or when uh bch or or b- Cash came out i had just as many b- Cash coins as i did bitcoins because it was a fork under the new guidance <clears throat> the irs is suggesting that had this happened now because i don't think that they can get me for for what they haven't put guidance out on uh before um that i would be i would have to pay taxes on those coins whether i claim them just just the fact that some asshole airdropped him on me makes me financially liable for uh, for the tax consequences, which is complete and utter garbage. I'm sorry, it is. It's like I I cannot I can control if somebody pays me money. I can't control if somebody decides that that I am deserving of their new and shiny shit coin. I'm sorry, it's not. So I kind of expand on this idea of Bruce Fenton by saying, I think we should do this. Email them the keys on their .gov email so there is a paper trail. Also do this with all IRS employees. Then carbon copy every email sent to the IRS and United States Treasury Enforcement Divisions. Am I a statist? Oh, I don't know. The enemy of my enemy is my freaking friend. So if I can get the IRS to basically eat themselves, I would love to do so. Because what's, what's going on is that if Bruce were to do this, and we just emailed them like all these, you know, private keys that had coins on them. Essentially, it's an airdrop. So every single government official, under their own guidance, would be liable for tax consequences on those airdrop coins. And if Bruce had his way and he sold one sat for $300, well, it would smoke past Bitcoin's market cap. But man, that would just be a shit show of epic proportions. And the other one on this is that, um, Oh the the whole fallout from gaming, okay, with the suspension by Blizzard of that that dude that was coming out for the Hong Kong protests. Um, apparently now, comp- there are some people that are saying, basically saying the following: flooding a company with GDPR requests. Now, an entire gaming forum is offering gamers who are upset with Blizzard instructions on how to exercise their rights under GDPR, Article 15. It allows you to request records of all data the company has on you if you are a European Union data subject. And that's coming from Tim Pastor he's the one that brought it to my attention. If you're not following at Tim Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-O-R, you should be. He's a good Joe, but sometimes he has this annoying tendency to drop out of the scene. So um, there are people, you know, and and now with the NBA, there are people that uh, it's, it's getting to the point where people are just going to go to these games, literally just to troll the NBA to get, you know, wear free Hong Kong shirts, holding up signs. It's the, the nba has re, has has turned the key on an engine that they probably should not have turned the key on i i'm going to be very this i i don't watch basketball but i will be watching the nba at this point because this is going to be a hell of a, a hell of a time let's see what else we got up here on deck uh let's see community oh jack yeah jack Mahlers. he's released um a a zap desktop upcoming major release in the ability to sign and verify messages. And he has, he's released a small, a small video that shows him actually signing a message through zap. And it's really cool. It's I, as to what it can be used for, it's probably better to ask what it can't be used for, because there's no way to tell what we're going to be able to do with this. But I'm just going to uh, plow through the small tweet thread that he, that he wrote. Uh, This is the second tweet. The first tweet has the video of him signing a message. This is the second one. With Zap, we will be using this concept in a bunch of new features coming soon. Why would a service force users to log in with personal information? Instead, pay a few Satoshis to create your account and have your wallet sign messages proving identity to log in. Both at the protocol level and the application level, Lightning has started and will continue to build reputation systems. Keep that, this is me talking, keep that in mind. Continue to build reputation systems. This is going to happen, people. Continuing. However, this can only be accomplished with non-custodial merchants and non-custodial users. The assumption is peer-to-peer. If you share a network identity with others, you will be limited in capability. Using Lightning Custodial Services isn't only parting with your keys, but also with your network identity. You share a network identity with thousands of others. Starting with Zap Desktop 0.6.0, users will be able to sign messages and verify messages and signatures from within their wallet. This is only the beginning, and as time goes on and UX Im- improves, I think we'll start to see some amazing things nobody's anticipating. That's the end of the tweet thread, and I completely agree. That's going back to what I was saying right before we started doing the that tweet thread, is that it's probably better to ask what can't be done. Like, I won't be able to put out if my house catches on fire, I will not be able to use this to put my house out, okay? Uh, I will not be able to use this to cook steaks. Uh, It's going to be easier to figure out what the hell you can't do with it than what you can do with it. I think this is an important thing. Also, negative interest rates. 100 trillion USD, plan B, the guy who is behind the whole stock to flow thing, um, is Has a tweet out here that was really interesting. It says Forget about Bitcoin mainstream adoption. Fiat BTC carry trade is the next step in Bitcoin growth. Borrow fiat against negative interest rate at minus 0.5%, buy Bitcoin and future sell against a 12% annualized gain, R- rinse and repeat. Alternative, writing call options. Yeah, borrowing money at negative interest rates means they're just going to pay you. You can just pay them back, take the extra that's left behind because it's a negative interest rate, and just buy Bitcoin with it. And It's just, my God almighty, it's like, if it is the case that negative interest rates are custom-built for Bitcoin, then there's a lot of people that are going to be in a lot of trouble. All right, so that pretty much wraps it up for community stuff. Let's get into the news here. Uh, Oh, God. I hate to start with this one, but I just want to get it out of the way first. Ripple CEO, our transparency has opened us up to attack. Mary Juliet writing for Cointelegraph as of this morning, says, Alluding to the spate of controversies that have beset the project, Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse has argued that Ripple's transparency has opened them up to attack. In an interview for the Off the Chain podcast hosted by Morgan Creek Digital Asset co-founder Anthony Pompliano on October the 9th, Garlinghouse said that there is a bunch of misinformation out there, but claimed that this is in part because Ripple is 10 or 100 times more transparent than anyone in the crypto community. He said, quote, our transparency has opened us up to attack. Ripple has tried to lead by example, end quote. Pompliano revealed that by far the most listener questions related to the high profile controversy over Ripple's handling of XRP token sales, to which the CEO reiterated his earlier reassurances that the firm would choose to dump the tokens and depreciate XRP's value, given that it is the most interested party in the success and health of the Ripple ecosystem. We own a lot of XRP. End quote. <clears throat> He outlined how Ripple manages its XRP token holdings, noting that the company had created 55 escrows, each containing 1 billion XRP that became unlocked once a month. Once released, he said Ripple returns 80% of the XRP back into the newly created escrow for the future. He emphasized that while Ripple may own the escrows, they have cryptographic signage on their contracts, meaning the firm can't open them at its behest. Bullshit. I don't trust you. With the remaining released XRP, Garlinghouse said Ripple either sells the tokens programmatically or over the counter to institutional clients wanting exposure to XRP. Now that the market has become more liquid, however, he said those OTC sales are declining and Ripple often refers such clients elsewhere. Overall, Garlinghouse estimated that Ripple sells XRP at 10 basis points of daily market volume, i.e. 99.9% of XRP volume is not connected to Ripple. This is such crap. Garlinghouse also made the claim that Ripple is the only example of crypto and blockchain being used at scale, period somebody help me send help immediately and then send beer I can't this is hurting me to read this to you just remember what the the links that I go through for my for you my dear listeners because this literally is hurting me. the only blockchain being used at scale period I I don't even I don't even know how to proceed i'll'll I'll do my best for you Continuing, while he conceded that he was himself long on Bitcoin, quote, it is working, it is scaled, end quote, he said that when it comes to blockchain enterprise solutions, Ripple is the only project out there that has passed experimentation and moved on to scaled implementation. In a sign, perhaps, of the prevalence of Ripple-related controversies, Garlinghouse's discussion of the relation between Bitcoin and XRP circled back to other content- another contentious issue. The CEO noted that several former Bitcoin engineers as well as Ripple founders were involved in the creation of the XRP ledger, yet underscored that the XRP ledger was created before the company Ripple existed. They're pushing that narrative hard, guys. As reported, community members have previously taken the company to task for ostensibly attempting to obfuscate the nature of its relationship to XRP. Corey Johnson, a former Bloomberg TV anchor who worked roughly a year as Ripple's chief market strategist, has come under fire recently for his con Ah, controversial analogy that Ripple's relationship to XRP is akin to Chevron's relationship to oil. (laughs) That's right, people. XRP apparently has always existed since the beginning of time, and Brad Garlinghouse just accidentally ran over it with his frickin' tractor and struck oil, or rather struck XRP. If anybody believes this, I got bridges all over the world to sell your ass. Garlinghouse himself has previously used the analogy in an argument against yet another controversy, XRP's possible security classification. Quote, Exxon owns a lot of oil, he noted, that doesn't make oil a security So, grasping at straws, Brad Garlinghouse is. Kyle Torpy is writing for Bitcoin Magazine. This is an op-ed. Is the age of Bitcoin power discounts finally upon us? This was from October the 10th. While the digital gold narrative around Bitcoin has always existed in the early days, there was also a heavy focus on payment use cases for the world's first major cryptocurrency. There was plenty of block space to go around at the time, which meant transactions were practically free and users didn't have to worry about whether or not their transactions would be included in the next block. Due to the lack of chargebacks and low fees associated with the Bitcoin network at the time, many Bitcoin enthusiasts wondered whether merchants would start to offer discounts to those who decided to pay for goods and services via Bitcoin rather than a credit card. There have been there have always been people who have offered discounts to those who pay with Bitcoin in an effort to promote the peer-to-peer digital cash system, but the benefits of using a system where transactions are cheap and irreversible meant that even those who didn't care about the cypherpunk philosophy behind Bitcoin might have been interested in trying out a new technology as well. Eventually, entire businesses such as Fold and Purse were built on top of this premise of Bitcoin-powered discounts. These early companies effectively acted as middlemen, middlemen between Bitcoin holders and the holders of gift cards of, or rather, for various retailers. That said... Early fold users were able to get 20% off their Starbucks purchases, and purse users can still save 10-20% to on their usual Amazon shopping. While direct Bitcoin merchant adoption was happening at places like Newegg and Overstock, many of the stores accepting Bitcoin at the time appeared to be doing so for marketing purposes more than anything else. Overstock's decision to offer a small discount to those who paid with Bitcoin was definitely the exception, not the rule. Eventually, as Bitcoin became more popular, those aforementioned low transaction fees disappeared. The ability to get a transaction into the next block became more difficult as the network became more congested. Fees started to be calculated in dollars rather than in cents, which aid into the potential for Bitcoin to enable payments, re- payment-related cost savings for merchants and their customers. Additionally, the uncertainty regarding when a transaction would be included 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 in a block made some types of payments such as those made in the real world face-to-face environment less practical. During this time, the focus on Bitcoin's digital gold properties came to the forefront and some users who were unwilling to give up on cheap payments moved to Bcash and other shitcoins. Now the Lightning Network appears to be bringing back the early vision of Bitcoin power discounts. The Lightning Network is a much more practical solution to digital payments than on-chain transactions because every transaction does not need to be added to the blockchain. Instead, transactions are processed on a secondary network layer where fees approach zero. Payments are instant and there is even the potential for better financial privacy. Again, I warn everybody about this narrative. This was the exact same narrative as Bitcoin. There are good reasons to believe that it won't go south like that narrative that Roger Ver pushed at the beginning. Um but I'm just saying just when when somebody says that just take a moment and say maybe. Maybe even, you know, say more than likely. But still, have it in the back of your head that we've heard this narrative before and we saw what happened. Okay, continuing. These three benefits of the Lightning Network are massive improvements to how payments work with on-chain transactions, especially in terms of transaction speed. While unconfirmed transactions were often used and seen as secure enough, in the early days the Lightning Network provides a greater guarantee that a payment has been finalized and can be accepted without worry. To be fair, Bitcoin discounts never really disappeared from merchants offering goods and services in the black market, whether to be whether it be online piracy, darknet e-commerce, gambling, or porn, these sorts of merchants continued to offer discounts to their customers. The censorship-resistant properties of Bitcoin as a payment system were still extremely valuable to them. For some of these merchants, even in the face of its higher fees and lower reliability, Bitcoin remained their only viable option. While purse continued to operate normally in spite of Bitcoin's problematic on-chain payment rails, Fold has since relaunched itself with a model built around the lightning networks instant confirmations and fees to practically zero its users are now able to shop with a credit card and receive bitcoin rewards up and coming lolly is pioneering the concept of a bitcoin-based reward system where consumers are able to shop normally at their favorite stores with their traditional forms of payment and receive bitcoin rewards via a cashback program for lolly the bitcoin rewards concept is part of a master plan to eventually get well-known retailers to accept the cryptocurrency directly Lolly is effectively creating greater demand for Bitcoin merchant adoption on the consumer side by putting the cryptocurrency into the hands of as many people as possible. With layer two Bitcoin payment solutions like the LN, it may eventually be possible for cryptocurrency enthusiasts hung up on their ability to buy their morning coffee at Starbucks with digital cash to do so directly at a discounted rate. For now, Bitcoin Rewards Programs offers. Offered by the likes of Fold and Lolly will continue to fill the gap for those people who want to use Bitcoin to make everyday purchases. So there's that. Um, that's <clears throat> one one of the narratives that I uh, or narratives that I see coming from the shitcoiner crowd is them saying, "Oh, so Bitcoin is now just a travel miles like an airline miles thing." When you when that inevitably starts happening, guys, because it's probably going to happen. Um, Just keep it in in the back of your mind that Bitcoin can be anything anybody wants it to be. Again, maybe we should start thinking about the things that Bitcoin can't solve because the amount of shit that Bitcoin fixes is uh, so large that wrapping your head around it is probably impossible. Okay, if you want to smoke some, sh- smoke some Bitcoin, I got the news for you. Helen Parts writing for Cointelegraph this morning that 5,200 tobacco shops in France are now selling Bitcoin alongside of tobacco, apparently. After suspending the service in less than two months after launch in January, Kepler says that its customers will be able to buy Bitcoin from Tobacconists? 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 I don't know how that's pronounced. Guys that sell tobaccos in coupons of 50, 100, or 250 euros, France's France's top news channel BFM TV reports as of October the 10th. According to the report, Bitcoin payments in all 5,200 locations will be feasible through Kepler's partner, Media, which will provide payment terminals. Man, you guys should just go check out Beautyon and Azteco. That would be... That would be ballers, man. Whatever. As previously reported, Kepler's initial launch in January of 2019 of the service reportedly involved just 6 tobacco shops, while other publications reported that there were as many 24 shops participating in the program. At the time, Kepler co-founder Adil Zakar stated that the firm was planning to expand the project to 6500 tobacco shops by February despite the reports that France's central bank did not endorse the initiative. <laughs> Oh, well, can I sell a hamburger there, Central Bank? Whatever. Meanwhile, France is apparently seeing a surge in cryptocurrency adoption. In late September, Cointelegraph reported that over 25,000 points of sale of 30 French retailers, including sportswear giant Decathlon and cosmetic store Sephora, will start accepting BTC payments by early 2020. As reported earlier in September, the French unit of Domino's Pizza launched, on, or, launched an ordering competition with a prize of 110000 in, in Bitcoin or cash. On September the 12th, French economy minister Bruno Le Maire claimed that French authorities do not plan to tax crypto to crypto trades, but rather will consider taxation when crypto is sold for fiat money. So there you go. Smoke them while you got them. SEC rejects Bitwise's latest Bitcoin ETF. Yeah, who would have guessed, right? Nicholas Day writing for Coindesk as of October the 9th. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission has rejected The latest attempt at creating a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund announced Wednesday that the ETF proposal filed by Bitwise Asset Management in conjunction with the NYSE ARCA did not meet legal requirements to prevent market manipulation or other illicit activities. The SEC placed the burden on NYSE ARCA rather than Bitwise's proposal itself. That's interesting to date the SEC has rejected all bitcoin ETF proposals citing market manipulation and fraudulent activity concerns you should you should look at your own existing network guys because you want to talk about market manipulation and fraudulent activity just just look at the stock market Continuing, the order reads, quote, the commission is disapproving the proposed rule change because as discussed below, NYSE ARCA has not met its burden under the Exchange Act and the commission's rules of practice to demonstrate that its proposal is consistent with the requirements of Exchange Act Section 6B5 and in particular, the requirement that the rules of a national securities exchange be designed to prevent fraudulent and manipulative acts and practices. Bitwise first filed the ETF proposal with NYSE ARCA in January 2019, kicking off its most recent push to offer retail customers a regulated Bitcoin product. The company sought to be the first firm to launch an ETF in the United States alongside competitor VanEck, which filed a similar proposal in January with SolidX and CBOE BZX. VanEck pulled its version last month. Bitwise tried to reassure the regulators that issues relating to market manipulation and fraudulent activity could be addressed, publishing a number of reports on what it saw as the real Bitcoin market and showing that market activity correlated tightly with the regulated Bitcoin futures market. With Wednesday's Rejection. The SEC has only one Bitcoin ETF proposal currently sitting before it, filed by Wilshire Phoenix and NYSE ARCA. So if you guys are going to do an ETF, make sure that you satisfy the rules that the SEC allows to be broken every single day. Anne Alexandra is writing for Cointelegraph October the 9th. Binance starts accepting fiat currencies through Alipay and WeChat. Wonder how long this will last. Major cryptocurrency exchange Binance has begun accepting fiat currencies through online payment services Alipay and mobile messaging and payment app WeChat CEO CZ (laughs) confirmed in a tweet on October the 9th. Zhao was quick to clarify that Binance is not working directly with WeChat or Alipay and users are still able to use them for peer-to-peer transactions. The move follows the implementation of Binance's peer-to-peer trading platform for BTC, Ether, and Tether against the Chinese Yuan earlier on October 9th. The service will initially will be initially available to Android users who already have Binance accounts registered for at least 30 days with support for iOS to follow on October the 2nd, 7th. The exchange also announced the launch of the 8th phase of its lending product. Subscribers will be will be accepted on a first come first served basis. The subscription period begins or begins on October the 10th and ends on November the 10th, while interest will be paid immediately after the term matures. Binance's new market maker program launched in late September targeting users who monthly's trading volume exceeds 1,000 BTC or can reach such volumes and who also have quick uh, quality market making strategies. The same month, the exchange rolled out a dedicated staking platform, enabling users to deposit their token holdings and earn staking rewards, but without having to set up their own nodes to fulfill minimum staking amounts and or time length. So Binance accepting really shitty money. Okay, so Jack Martin writing for Cointelegraph. Tim Draper bets on new .crypto domain to replace wallet addresses. Uh, Tim Draper-backed Unstoppable Domains has launched its new .crypto domain registry on the Ethereum blockchain. The registry allows users to connect any cryptocurrency address to their domain, enabling payments to be made just using their domain name, according to a press release published October the 11th. To make a payment... One only needs to know the blockchain domain. This alleviates the need for copying and pasting unwieldy cryptocurrency wallet addresses. Unstoppable Domains believes that this simplifying of cryptocurrency payments will lead to a more widespread adoption. CEO Matthew Gould stated, quote, We believe that tribalism in the crypto community is slowing down adoption of the technology. Crypto is a domain name, or sorry, dot crypto is a domain name system meant to be used for any cryptocurrency payment and with any cryptocurrency wallet. Aside from being used as a payment gateway, blockchain domains hold many benefits over their traditional counterparts. A website hosted on a blockchain domain is stored by the owner. No third party can store or seize it and thus purportedly uncensorable by the authorities. Furthermore, the registry is not governed by or needs approval from the Internet Corporation for assigned names and numbers, also known as ICANN. The domain registration is for life and does not have to be renewed and domain ownership can be transferred without the need for an escrow agent. As Cointelegraph reported in May, Tim Draper's VC company Draper Associates was involved in a $4 million funding round for unstoppable domains earlier this year. I don't know what to say about this. this is interesting. It, it kind of is. I don't know if it'll work. The fact that they used the Ethereum you know, to do this is... Uh, I mean on Ethereum 1 or is it going to be on Ethereum 2 I, when's Ethereum 3 coming out I'm just stop with the shit coinery but other than that maybe I mean if it works and works the way that it's built then I don't know it could be cool especially if you know uh, like wallet you know people start use you know start using it and implementing it in ways that are really compatible but uh, you know th- what this reminds me of is The people who go, you know, like uh, there's that old joke, uh, uh, computer programmer joke, where there, you know, somebody says to another one that we've, we've got 15 protocols. We need to design one protocol that, that rules them all that, that all, you know, that we, we just replace all 15 with this one protocol. And then the next frame over, it's like, now there are 16 protocols. Uh, That's what, that's what I actually expect from this. I hope I'm wrong. Kind of the whole Ethereum thing bugs the shit out of me because I'm trying to figure out why, but I, whatever. I... Marie Hulet is also writing for Cointelegraph on October the 10th. Backed Bitcoin future trading volume soars 796% in one day. Nice. The trading volume of Bitcoin futures on the Intercontinental Exchange's backed platform reportedly soared to 224 contracts on October the 9th. 796% 796% higher than the previous day according to the tracking data compiled by Twitter account backed volume bot at backed Bot, which is not affiliated with backed but rather with Dutch journalist and crypto author Gert Jan Lestier the 224 contracts represent an apparent an apparent all-time high for the platform the bot's data indicates that daily traded volumes of backed bitcoin monthly future contracts soared from just 25 on October the 8th To 224 on October the 9th. The uptick in volume was succeeded by a solid increase in Bitcoin's price on October the 9th from roughly 8,200 to 8,600. As Cointelegraph previously reported, BAC's much anticipated contracts, the first of their kind to be physically settled in Bitcoin, went live on September the 22nd. The platform's underwhelming volumes in its first week were immediately compared to the first the to the fiat-settled BTC futures on CME, which first launched back in December of 2017. In early October, Binance Research, the exchange's analytics arms, went so far as to identify the sluggish volumes in BAC's early days as a contributing factor to BTC USD price plummeting from near 10000 to under 8000 At publishing time, ICE's data indicates that 59 contracts were traded on the day so far, with the last one trading at $8,485. So there you go. I mean, I don't know why everybody expects adoption to be immediate and and massive. I I think that that's probably not a good way to live your life. Bitcoin Magazine is uh, hosting a story from 8BTC. It's written by Lillian Tang. Bitmain. Canaan launched new miners in preparation for the Bitcoin halvening. Yeah. Except they're spelling it halving. I I like the older term of the halvening. It just, I don't know. It sounds better to me. On October the 9th, 2019, the China-based cryptocurrency mining giant Bitmain launched its two latest AntMiner 17 models to an eager market. On the very same day, another leading ASIC producer, Kanan, also rolled out its next-gen Bitcoin miner A11 series. Both new mining rigs from the top two Bitcoin miner manufacturers feature much higher hash rates and efficiencies than previous models, with Bitmain's S17 model Uh, delivering a hash rate of 73 terahashes per second, operating at 40 joules per terahash. And Kanan's A1166 miner capable of doing 73 terahashes per second with a power efficiency of 46 joules per terahash. So a little bit higher, uh, less, or rather a little less efficient than uh, Antminer. Hmm. Whatever. According to the announcement, Bitmain's other new model, the T17, offers a hash rate of 64 terahashes per second and a power efficiency of 50 joules per terahash. Bitmain's two new models will be available for purchase on October the 11th. That would be today and are scheduled to be shipped in the first 10 days of December 2019. The manufacturer has already released the miner 17E, or sorry, S17E, and uh, T17E in September of 2019, which were snapped up in minutes once made available for sale. That's where all our that's where all our all our uh, hash rate came from, guys. That that massive bump in hash rate was probably everybody unboxing their shit that they got from Bitmain and plugging it in. On the same day that Bitmain announced its latest models, Avalon maker Canaan also announced the launch of its most powerful miners. The 73 terahash per second A1166, which operates at 46 joules per terahash, and the 61 terahash 1146, which operates at 55 joules per terahash. According to Canaan sales director Chen Feng, the A11 models are not yet available to the public at the moment, but only to some big buyers for fear of a delivery delay. So far, there are about 500,000 units of A10 and A11 in demand, and the number is expected to surpass 1 million and twenty. 20. Chen added that the more powerful and efficient 7-nanometer miners and miners with more advanced 5-nanometer processors are on the way as well. Jeez, you guys are getting down to quantum-level shit here, man. According to the data from asicminervalue.com, the Amp Miner S... 17 Pro is currently the most profitable miner, and all of Bitmain's latest S models are in the top ten of the most profitable miners on the market. The rest of the competitive mining machines in the top list include the InnoSilicon T3, Strong U U8 Series, What's Miner M20S, and the EBIT E11 Plus Plus. With the introduction of the more efficient 70T, 70 terahash mining rigs, Bitcoin mining may be more difficult and less profitable for individual miners. Jihan Wu, co-founder of Bitmain, said at the recent World Digital Mining Summit that miners have to improve the efficiency of their mining equipment if the price of Bitcoin stays unmoved after the halving expected in May of 2020. So there you go. There's that one. Um, Okay. And then continuing this is a different story but I'm not going to read the whole story because the gist is that um let me see if I can find it hold on I had the I had the damn picture oh good lord it's hold on sorry about that pause I had it in the wrong place okay this is um This is just a report. I'm not. I'm not going to read, but like a paragraph from it. Canaan, the one of the miners we were just talking about, will be listed publicly in the U.S. in November. Canaan Creative, one of the world's largest Bitcoin mining machine manufacturers, will be listed as a publicly traded company in the United States in November of 2019, according to a source with knowledge of the matter. According to the source, the Avalon Miner producer, which has a valuation of $1.5 billion, is issuing 126 million shares in its company, which will be closed on October the 20th, 2019. And that was a a report that was done by 8BTC, also written by Lillian Tang so Canaan's going to like uh, IPO that's what yeah, clearly, well, obviously that's what that means. It's just found it kind of interesting. Let's see what's, what else is in the deck? Uh, do you do, don't want that one? Oh, 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 new app bottle pay for sending Bitcoin via social media raises Two million dollars. This is Jack Martin writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. A UK tech firm has raised two million dollar investment from a foreign app that allows users to send Bitcoin using their social media accounts. As reported in the Northeast Times, October the 11th, Newcastle company Block Matrix received the funds to further develop its BottlePay platform. The BottlePay platform lets users transfer Bitcoin using their social media accounts. This enables payment to any social media uh, contact, regardless of whether they have a BottlePay account. The BottlePay app will allow users to easily access the platform. Founder Pete Shane, or Chain, C-H-E-Y-N-E is his last name. Quote, We're trying to break down the barriers to allow anyone to use Bitcoin. What we want to do is let people authenticate into the app with an account they already have and trust. End quote. Block Matrix is planning to increase the number of active users of BottlePay tenfold over the next year before seeking further investment through venture capital. The company also has plans to enter the retail and commercial services market with a payment platform allowing merchants to accept Bitcoin payments through BottlePay. Meanwhile, there have been other platforms trying to integrate digital currency payments into social media directly. Blockchain-based internet browser Brave, for example, enables users to tip for social media content on Twitter, Vimeo, and Reddit using its native basic attention token. In August, Cointelegraph reported on another company, Apex, applying blockchain technology to reward users for their time and creativity spent on online content. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, nice. Uh, I, I'm, I like Bottle Pay, and you know, like all, all the other things that are going on. What What surprised me about Bottle Pay is that their their reach is a lot more extensive than some of the others. Like I have Bottle Pay enabled on uh, my uh, oh god, what, uh, Instagram account, and they have like they they're just they're doing really good work. So are all these guys. Fold, Lolly. Bitcoin, or I mean, a bottle pay, um, let's see here, uh, tipping. I mean, my God, the, the, it just goes on and on and on. And I think we should be really uh, grateful that these developers are out there running those traps for us. Anyway, that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Mm -hmm. Vitals, uh, going to come from Info Charts, uh mempool.space, and 1ML. Let's start with the prices. Bitcoin is seeing an average of $8,337. It looks like our low is going to be over at P2P, B2B at $8,316. And it looks like we have no high. Okay, so $8,337 is the highest price that I've got here We have 359,000 transactions being made over the last 24 hours. Good to see that volume come up. Uh, About 15,000 transactions on average per hour. 772,000 BTC have been sent in that last 24-hour period with an average cent per hour of 32,200 BTC. Average transaction value is 2.15 BTC and the median transaction is 0.028 BTC or right around 232 bucks. Oh God, block times are low. Eight minutes and 22 seconds, 0.16 BTC are being taken on fees in a per block basis and 28.3 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Hash rate. Oh my God. The hash rate in the last 24 hours has increased by 25%. We are now at 108 exa hashes per second. And I would pretty much bet you my bottom dollar that that's an all time high. Uh, last GitHub commit was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 184. Bcash is at 223. Litecoin is at 56. BSV is at 84.5. Ethereum Classic is at $4.75. Dogecoin fell off a cliff. It is back to 0.0023. Poor Doge. Although Doge is smoking the shit out of Litecoin's 25,000 transactions over the last 24 hours with its 25,500. Bcash has uh, t- 31 or 32,000 transactions, but here's, here's the kicker. A quarter million transactions for BSV, even though nobody's using it. Just the amount of stupid is horrible. Okay. Oh, I see an empty block. Okay. So where are we in the mempool? We are one block deep in the mempool. Unconfirmed transactions is below a thousand. I actually see a couple of damn near empty blocks. I got a half a gig block or I'm sorry, half a meg gig of megs, half a meg block. And then I've got one block that was done four minutes ago. That's boasting 228 transactions. With a size of 80 kilobytes. Wow. And the one that's supposed to be coming up in about 10 minutes is about a third full. So we're seeing some slowdown on the network as a whole. Let's see what Lightning's doing. Ooh, new nodes. <clears throat> we have nine new nodes in the last 24 hours, which is a 50% increase over the last 24 hours. We have 141 brand spanking new channels opened, and that represents a 15% increase in the last 24 hours. We are now up to 10,118 total number of publicly viewable nodes. Remember, you can set these things to private. So if we were to include private, we have absolutely no idea what the number is, but it's going to be at least one more than 10,118 Lightning nodes. And there's your vitals. Back to the '90s today for song of the day. This is going to be from Soundgarden, uh, Seattle punk, or sorry, the the whole Seattle sound. That that whole Seattle scene. My God, you could not get away from it, and you couldn't get away from this song either. It was everywhere, everywhere you wanted to be. This song was on the radio, or being played by your friend on 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 their you know car stereo, or in their house, and 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 on one of my favorite video games that I used to play with a, a couple of buddies of mine, Road Rash. In fact, if I remember correctly, Road Rash, the original instantiation of that particular game, had the entire set like Soundgarden did the entire soundtrack for it. If I remember correctly the entire soundtrack was, was this like newly released Soundgarden album at the time. As usual, I'm bringing you the live version. Why? Because live versions have more energy, even if they're not quite as polished as the album there, you, you get there, there are drawbacks and payoffs that you have to make when you're in a studio cutting stuff rather than working it all out on stage. There's a, there's energy between the band and each other because they're all on stage at the same time instead of being in a studio, which means you're kind of cutting tracks separately. In some cases, it's done live, but at one, you know, at any given time when you're cutting a studio album, you're probably going to be cutting your guitar parts by yourself with only half the band there while the, the, the others are doing other stuff. Here, your band is all together. You're all in one place. You're being like splashed by lights and you're standing in front of tens of thousands of people. How the hell you would prefer the studio version of a song over the version of the song that is energized by that kind of power is beyond me. But well, whatever. Some people do, some people don't. Anyway, all that said, have some Soundgarden, bros. (laughs) ¶¶ Today's Daily Trainwreck brought to you by Joseph Lubin. Announced at DevCon 5 in Osaka, Japan just yesterday, the Blockchain Development Studio Consensus founder wants to have 1 million developers involved in Ethereum. This, per Lubin's estimates, would be around double the current count of 500,000 developers and five times the current active developer count of 200,000 parentheses, purportedly derived from the download data of blockchain developer product suite Truffle. Now, there's a news story that goes along with this, but I'm not going to read it because it's not worth the time. 500,000 developers, huh? Five, 500,000 on Ethereum. You have half a million people working on Ethereum, except that it's only 200,000 as previously reported by Joseph Lubin. So I don't even know where that entire, that's one of the reasons why I'm not reading that story is like, I'm like, I don't know, between 500,000 and 200,000. The real train wrecked is Joseph Lubin saying that there are 200,000 active developers on Ethereum, given some download data. Download data, that's your metric. I'm sorry man, you don't you don't run a circus this way. You you just can't because those monkeys may not be your monkeys. <laughs> just because somebody downloaded your shit doesn't mean they're developing on it. I'd have all manner of apps on my phone. And if Apple were to take the same same thing, they'd have 5.5 billion developers for Apple. This is such a horrible take by Joseph. It's it's just reeks of desperation. They do have 200,000 developers on Ethereum. That's ridiculous. They've got like, I don't know, maybe 10 that are actually doing stuff. And then all the rest of them are working on quote unquote dApps, which are not, have, I mean, only have something to do with Ethereum insofar that they operate on that blockchain, but they're not developing on Ethereum. It's just, I'm sorry, but the amount of hubris here is is really bad. Anyway, there's your steaming pile for the day. (laughs) Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. What do you call a stolen Tesla? An Edison. way esoteric because if you don't know the relationship between Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla, you're never going to get that joke. Uh there's all manner of conspiracy theories about that relationship. There's all, also all manner of theories about whether or not Edison invented a damn thing if, or just stole it from people who did. It's possible. I mean, it's it's not like that shit doesn't happen today. I don't know why it wouldn't have happened, you know, in, in the 1800s. In either event, there was a really disastrous and, and destructive relationship between Edison and Nikola. Um, some people think that it's possible that Edison might have even had, you know, Tesla like drugged him or, or poisoned him. He was found, I think he was found dead in his hotel room or something like that. Nikola. <clears throat> in either event, it doesn't matter. Nobody really knows what the hell happened. But what we do know is that Nikola Tesla was brilliant. And it's not all entirely possible, you know, impossible that Edison might have stolen some tech from, from Tesla. It's just too bad that Tesla died. He had some really cool ideas if he had been, you know, if he was, if he had lived to the end of his uh, natural life, um, like if he had lived rather, if he had lived a lot longer, we may very well be in a world where we don't have electrical cords because he was one of the people that was saying that it's ridiculous not to be able to transmit electricity to from a structure to a particular appliance. And power that appliance without ever having to plug it in. And God, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that just be totally awesome? If we could do that, you know, or no cables to trip over. I mean, signal cables would probably operate into the same thing. We, you know, we do have that to for, you know, quite a bit. But full-blown power. Full-blown powering of things through the air. That would be interesting. Anyway, it is Friday. Uh, it is time to go. This is my out. <clears throat> It'll be, um, it's going to be interesting. It always is, you know, in, in, in the Bitcoin space. So watch out for new developments, but keep your eyes on the Lightning Network and specifically people that are offering discounts or companies that are, are trying to figure out ways to enable discounting through the use of Bitcoin via the Lightning Network for vendors, because instead of merchant adoption, maybe what we should be looking at is, are these like placeholders? I don't really want to call them placeholders. You know, that one news story we were talking about, you know, earlier in the show, they were saying that they were got like middlemen between the, the merchant and the buyer and that it was either Lolly or fold. I think it was fold that their mission statement was that they wanted to hand off the the onboarding of people to merchants in insofar as in, instead of Fold being the, the middleman, they want the merchant to accept Bitcoin directly. It's not that I don't think that that's a good idea. Of course, it's a good idea, but there it may not be, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be good f- for Fold's business model to do that because they would be losing less and less of their ability to take a chunk of the transaction, which I don't mind. I mean, they're providing a service. I if, if, if People got to pay rent, y'all. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not evil to, you know, have a Bitcoin company that makes money. It's not. It's when you lie about shit and get money for it, that it's bad. But if you're providing a good service, I don't mind paying, I don't mind paying a fee. I just don't. I mean, as long as, you know, adoption comes up. But what, what I'm getting at here is, Maybe these companies are the very first things that we should be saying, okay, well, here's where our adoption comes from. Instead of everybody running around trying to get their favorite restaurant to accept Bitcoin on chain so that they can buy a burger, looking at you, Roger, even though you're not using actual Bitcoin, um, then instead of worrying about all that, just aggregate all of that together in companies like Fold, Lolly. And like, a, and two or three other ones. And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm missing y'all's names, because all of these guys are are really companies that that I have a lot of respect for. But in either event, I'm not sure that we need immediate, mer- direct merchant adoption as long as there's companies like this that are coming up. And these are not going to be the last. They they may have been the first, but they are certainly not going to be your last eventually we'll get to direct merchant adoption. But I, with companies like this around, I don't have a problem chilling out for a few years, literally. And in my opinion, neither should you, but that's my opinion and you go do whatever it is that you want to go do, especially on a, a nice fall weekend. Um, I hope your temperatures are not too cold and I certainly hope they don't get too damn hot. Autumn is weird about that kind of shit, especially down where I live where we'll go from this morning, I woke up to 28, and later on today, it's going to be 55, and then two days from now, it's going to be 87 in the, uh, for the high. So you want to talk about making people sick and giving them the flu? Yeah, do it this way. You'll, you'll get them the flu. Anyway, have a good weekend. I'll see you on the other side of it. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.